when I was a kid, I imagine like most kids around my age, most people around my age when I was a kid, I really loved, to the point of almost obsession, the movie Home Alone. But Home Alone, while it's a wonderful movie, it was more than a movie. To me, as a kid, Home Alone was some sort of weird, strange life ambition. Not that I just wanted my family to disappear. My family was wonderful, and Kevin was kind of a jerk and kind of mean to his family. I didn't want it that way, but I thought, you know what would be nice? Just to have a few days. To be able to watch what I want to watch and eat what I want to eat and throw dance parties with cardboard cutouts of Michael Jordan and all the things that Kevin got to do in the movie Home Alone. It seemed amazing because they turned what really should have been a very scary situation into a delightful little romp. But there were certain scenes in the movie Home Alone where you really start to feel the gravity that this little boy would have felt being lost and alone. We see fear when he sees his across-the-street neighbor, who, by the way, was supposed to be this very scary man, which all we have to go on is his physical appearance, and he was just some balding, bearded man wearing boots, which seems very offensive to me that that is what made this man so scary. He was just out in his yard doing yard work, looking like a normal guy, and now all of a sudden he's scary. Kevin goes to the store and he sees the the robbers for the first time, and, and there's fear that goes along with that. In a couple moments, you realize, no, this is a kid that's home alone that's by himself and that at times feels lost and disoriented and if you've ever been in a position whether as a child or an adult where you have felt lost or you felt alone or you felt distant and you don't know which way to go it can be very overwhelming and very difficult it can feel frightening and it can feel like it's never going to end and when that feeling comes on a spiritual level It can feel desperate and destructive, especially in our relationship to God. When we begin to feel spiritually lost, we start to ask ourselves the question, does God love me? Does God care about me? Am I close to God or has God turned his back? Have I finally gone too far this time? And to address that feeling, Jesus tells us in the book of Luke chapter 15, three separate parables. Now, if your Bible has headings inside of it, these headings are things that have been added to help us navigate Scripture. Some of the headings are usually kind of the same from Bible to Bible. And so mine calls these three parables the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son. And most of the time, when we refer to these parables, that's how we refer to them. They're the parables of the thing that is lost. But these parables aren't really about the thing that is lost. But these parables are more about the one who finds. And so today we're going to see Jesus teach us these parables that are parables for the lost and abandoned and runaways about a God who loves us so much and loves us so deeply that he's willing to leave it all behind to chase us down. And so today from Luke chapter 15, this is the word of God. And we're going to read the whole chapter, so hang tight. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that's lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. 
Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens in the country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came home, he said, how many, or when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will rise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this. My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they begin to celebrate. Now, his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing and he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has recovered him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. May God add his blessing and his favor to the reading of his word. Thanks be to God for his word. Father God, We just thank you so much for the beauty of those parables. That you are a God who loves us so deeply. That when we run, when we fall away, when we feel distant and lost, you are there seeking and searching and saving. But God, you know it's hard for us to recognize that sometimes because of guilt, sometimes because of bitterness, sometimes just because of busyness and distraction. It's hard for us to turn and look to you. And so, God, I pray as we hear these parables that Jesus teaches, that they would move our hearts to turn towards you and to trust you as a good father 
who loves the lost, the broken, and the runaways. And that you would remind us of the good news that comes as being people who were once lost but are now found through the kingdom of God. And so God, we just pray that if there's anyone here as we hear the gospel this morning, that you would move in their lives and draw them to salvation, God. For those who trust in you for salvation that maybe feel wondered or strayed, that you would bring them home. And that God, for those who are walking with you this morning, that you would strengthen that walk and remind us that as we go down the road, even when we fall, even when we trip, that you are there to pick us up and walk along with us as we follow after you. And so God, we just pray that you speak through your word. And we ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. In verse chapter 1, or in verse 1 of chapter 15, we have a very interesting scene coming into fruition. It says in verse 1 that the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so we have Jesus out here doing what he does, going from town to town, going from place to place, teaching about the kingdom of God, and all the usual suspects are starting to gather, but they're all gathering together. And so the tax collectors are coming, the people who, again, were so sinful that they would take money from their own people, charge them way over the top of what the Roman government wanted, give some of it to the government and keep the rest for themselves to grow rich off of other people's misfortunes and having these lavish sinful lifestyles. The tax collectors were coming to hear Jesus. People who were in such a state that the only word Luke could use to describe them was sinners were coming and gathering around Jesus. And then you also had the Pharisees and the scribes coming together. The Pharisees who were the keepers of the oral law, the ones who taught people what it was supposed to be to follow after God, but the ones who time and time again were coming into conflict with Jesus because of their constant hypocrisy. And again, we see two groups naturally forming. As we have through the entirety of the book of Luke, as Jesus has been teaching about the kingdom, he showed us there are only two sides to the coin. There are those who follow after him and belong to the kingdom and those who do not. And again, in this circumstance, Jesus looks to be aligned with the very unexpected group. Because you have the Pharisees and the scribes over off by themselves grumbling to each other. And they look at the crowd and they see the sinners and they see the tax collectors gathered and they recognize that Jesus has compassion on them and they recognize that Jesus has spent his life meeting these people where they are and loving them as they are and caring for them. And they start to say to each other, this guy. This guy, what is he doing? He's always spending all of his time with these kind of people. He even goes into their houses. And so they set themselves apart. And Jesus looks at the crowd and he sees everyone for who they are. He sees the spiritual brokenness of the tax collectors and the sinners. He sees their deep need for the grace and mercy of God. And he also hears the grumblings of the Pharisees and of the scribes. And so evaluating and seeing the spiritual condition of everyone gathered around, Jesus begins to speak and he gives three parables that apply to everyone present. On one hand, you have a story about someone who has a hundred sheep. And this shepherd that has a hundred sheep, one of them wanders off from the fold, and he is so distraught over this one who wanders away, he leaves 99 sheep behind in open country and chases down the one. 
And he takes the sheep when he finds it and he puts it on his shoulders and he brings it back home and he throws a party. And then Jesus tells a story about a woman who has ten silver coins. And then one falls and rolls away. And she goes nuts trying to find it. She starts taking all of the furniture and moving it. She sweeps everywhere and she's looking diligently for this coin. And finally she finds the coin and she calls all of her friends to come over and celebrate because the coin that was lost is now found. And then he tells a story about a man that has two sons. One son who looks him in the face and says, I know it's not time for me to receive my inheritance because I know I'm supposed to wait for you to die, but I kind of wish you were dead right now. And so I'd like for you to give me what you owe me and let me go live my life away from you. And so the father generously gives the son what's not technically his yet. And the son goes and he squanders it all and he wastes it all. And then he comes crawling back home, hoping just to be a servant in his father's household, ashamed and defeated. And the father runs down the road to meet him, picks him up, kisses him on the cheek and calls together all of his friends and all their family and throws a party because his son has come home. But while that happens, his oldest son, who had been there the whole time, becomes jealous and leaves. But the father goes out to him. He says, everything I have belongs to you. And so what difference does it make if we have this one party for your brother who was once dead and now he lives, who was once lost and now he's found? And so it's easy to see what the common thread is between these three parables. In every single parable, there is something that was lost. But in each of these parables, all of these things are lost for different reasons. In the first parable, you have something that wandered away. You have a sheep. And sheep are classic. I don't know if it's fair or not. I don't actually know this. I've never done an IQ test on a sheep. But we talk about sheep being dumb. And so I guess that's the, the thing. And so there must be some truth to it. And so the sheep just gets a little distracted. And he wanders away. It probably wasn't malicious because I don't think sheep are malicious. I've yet to meet a malicious sheep. I've probably only been around a couple sheep in my life, if I'm being honest. But none of them that I've met have been very malicious. And so I don't think this one had a negative heart towards the shepherd. He probably just saw something in a field that he wanted and he walked away. And so the first story is about a sheep that just kind of drifted away from where he was supposed to be and became lost. The second story is about a coin that just falls away. And the coin certainly didn't get up and walk away. Something had to happen for that coin to fall away. Something beyond the coin's control happened. Circumstances happened, and the coin fell from the rest of the pile and rolled away. In the story of the man with two sons, we see one of the sons who ran away. And this was out of a malicious heart. The son looked at his father and he says, I want nothing to do with you or this family. Just give me what you owe me and let me be gone. And the son ran away out of direct rebellion against his father. And then the man in the same household of the man whose son ran away in rebellion, we see a son who walked out. When the other son returned home, the oldest son looked at that and said, that's not fair. That person doesn't belong here. In fact, when we see him refer to his brother, he says, this son of yours distancing himself from this person who would run away from the father. And he says, if that's the kind of father you're going to be, then I don't want to have anything to do with your party. And he walked away. Four different lost objects, all for different reasons. And in each of these parables, we can see ourselves. Isaiah 53, 6, the first part of that verse says, 
all we like sheep have gone astray. And as Isaiah is speaking to the nation of Israel, we can see ourselves in that. That word all counts for every single man, woman, boy, and girl who's ever drawn a breath. All of us have gone astray for one reason or another. All of us have wandered away from God at one point in time for some reason. And as Jesus is standing looking at this crowd full of sinners and tax collectors and scribes and Pharisees, every single person there, sinner and scribe alike, were all wanderers in one way or the other. Some had drifted and wandered away. Some had dealt with difficult circumstances in their life and through no control of their own found themselves pulled away from God. Some were directly rebellious, running away and taking advantage of others. Some were prideful and hypocritical and thought themselves too righteous to be a part of what God was doing. But they were all wanderers. And so all of these parables were given to all of the people. And the same is true for each of us. And so maybe you're here and you're a lost sheep. And maybe just through busyness and through nothing malicious, through nothing aggressive, maybe you've just been a little distracted. And you found that you've wandered away from God or that God hasn't been that much of a priority in your life. And before you know it, you looked up and you've wandered so far away that you can't understand how you even arrived at this point in your life where you feel so distant from God. Maybe you're a lost coin. And there have been difficult circumstances in your life that are absolutely beyond your control, but they've been circumstances that have been hard, that have put you through the ringer, and that have taken your relationship with God, and it feels like it's just pulling you away, and it doesn't feel like there's anything you can do to get back. Maybe you're the younger son, and you've just been in a time of outright rebellion. You know who God is. You know who God has called you to be. You know what it means to be a follower of God. But you said, you know what? I don't want anything to do with that, God. You keep your business to yourself and I'm going to go do what I want to do no matter the consequences and I'll see you later. Or maybe you're an older brother. And maybe you see a God who welcomes in the sinners and the tax collectors and you say, you know what? That's not fair. I keep all the rules. I do all the right things. I go to church every week. I should be okay, and so you harbor bitterness and anger against God. No matter what your reason may be, if you're here this morning and you feel lost and wondering, these parables are for you. But they're not about you. And that's really good news. Because Jesus starts each of these parables like this. In the first parable, he says, What man among you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one who finds it? And then the second parable, in verse 8, he says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And then the third parable begins in verse 11, saying, There was a man who had two sons. All of these introductions teach us something incredibly important about these parables. Because even though we may call these parables the parable of the lost this, the lost that, or the prodigal this, all of these parables are not about the lost object. The lost object is not the central point of what Jesus is trying to communicate, but these are stories for the lost about a very special kind of God. These are stories about a God who loves his children so much that he's willing to leave 99 sheep in open country. And doing that math, it doesn't work out very well. 
Because one sheep is certainly not worth the same as 99 sheep. And so we would see that shepherd is foolish for walking away from 99 sheep and leaving them open and vulnerable just so he could chase down the one. But that's the kind of God that Jesus is teaching us about. The God who loves us and is willing to leave the 99 to go after one. In these parables, Jesus teaches us about a God who is willing to turn the house upside down to find one coin, even though there's still nine there. One coin that seems not very valuable compared to the rest of the pile, compared to the sum of the others, but a God who is willing to do whatever it takes to bring that one coin back home. He tells us about a God who, even though he is righteous and holy and perfect and wonderful, when he sees wayward children limping home, dirty and broken after a season of rebellion, he doesn't stand back at the gate and wait for them to come. He doesn't shut the gate in their face, but he slings the gates open and he runs down the road and he meets them and he picks them up and he dresses them in new clothes and brings them inside. When we feel lost, and I say we because at some point in time, all of us feel lost. All of us feel distant. And when that happens in our lives, it can begin to feel like God is the one who is doing the walking. That God has turned away or that God has given up on us and that maybe this time I've gone too far. Maybe my rebellion was too much or maybe I just allowed myself to, to drift off too far and now the gap is far too wide for me to be able to cross over and to get back to God and maybe he's just done with me and he shut the gates and he's walked away. But on the contrary, Jesus reveals to us in these parables that we have a God who is searching and pursuing us as we run away. And so the message of this parable reminds us that no matter where you find yourself this morning, that your God has not abandoned you. That your God has not walked away and that your God has not closed the gate, but he is chasing you down and he is searching after you. And that begins in what he did in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Because in no other place do we see the picture of God's love than when the Bible teaches us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That all of us like sheep have gone astray. That there is no one righteous, no one who seeks after God. Those are big words that mean none of us are good enough. None of us could reach up to God. And yet he saw us in our helpless and broken state, rebellious and sinful. And he said, you know what? You can't get to me. And so I'm coming to you. And he did so in the form of Jesus Christ, a baby born into the world, broken and humble to simple parents in a simple place. He grew in wisdom and in stature. He walked around. He suffered and was tempted and tried in every way that we are. And in fact, he took a punishment on himself that belonged to us. And through his death on the cross, Jesus did for us what we could have never done. He repaid a debt to God that we could never repay. And then through the resurrection gave us this hope that anyone who believes in him says that we won't perish, that we'll have eternal life. But not only that, we're taught that we have freedom in Christ and that we're new creations and that he takes the broken runaways and he brings them home. He takes people who were strangers and enemies of God and welcomes us into his kingdom and calls us sons and daughters. 
And so if you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ before, that's what we call the gospel. That's why we call it good news, because it's open to anyone who would believe, anyone who would trust in Christ. He welcomes us into his family. And so if you've never put your faith in Jesus before, then I would encourage you and plead with you to come and talk with me or with one of our pastoral staff, our community group leaders after church about what it means to trust in Jesus and follow in Jesus so that you can say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. If you're here and you've trusted in Christ, but maybe you've wandered some, then know that God is not done with you. And God may give us a long rope to go out and to make some decisions, even when they're destructive, even when they're rebellious, but he is going to bring us back home. And so he has not given up on you. He has not walked away from you, but he's searching for you, ready to meet you where you are and to bring you home. And then when he does, he gets really happy. Now, I don't know if you've ever looked for something, and I mean really looked for something, that frantic look for something, you know, where you get a little crazy and your eyes get a little squirrely and you start to lose all recognition of what's happening around you and all you can think about is finding that one thing, you know what I'm talking about? The kind of looking where when you're done, you look around and think, oh, what have I done? Because furniture is moved and things are toppled over and laundry's thrown all over the place. That kind of deep, desperate looking. When you do that, and then you're able to find what you're looking for, even if it's meaningless, like, say, a Roku remote. Not that that's happening in my life currently, but there is one missing, and I feel fairly certain that one of the inhabitants of my house that are under 36 inches tall has taken it and done something with it, and I have no idea, and it's getting to the point where I'm feeling a little crazy looking for it, and there's going to be one day when Stephanie walks in, and our bedroom is turned upside down, and I'm going to be sitting in the floor with the Roku remote weeping. (laughs) I found it. What was lost is come home. Let's have a party. Because it's, even if it's valueless, whenever you're searching that desperately for something, you get really excited when you finally find it. And then when it's something valuable, and you search and search and search, like say again, not necessarily a thing that's actually happened, but that maybe happens. Maybe your, your wife and, and you happened to lose an envelope containing some cash that a family member had given you for Christmas once, and it was a nice, generous gift, and maybe the two of you lost it and look for it for three weeks and never find it, and then happened to be cleaning a year later. Legitimately, guys, a year later, you look and you find just in this random envelope, you think, this is a weird envelope, and you open it, and there's the money. You get really happy and really excited because something of great value that you had great guilt for losing now has come back to you and you can throw a party but a little one because again it's you know money someone gave you and now you feel guilty because you've lost it it's a whole mix of feelings but still when it's of something of great value and you find it it brings you great joy when the pharisees looked around when the scribes looked around at the crowd and they saw the sinners and the tax collectors they were disgusted they saw people that they believed had no value. In fact, they said about Jesus, this guy who could be a great teacher, he could be a great rabbi, he could be this amazing man, wastes himself by eating with these sinners and tax collectors, going into their homes where they do all their sinning and all their tax collecting. I don't know if they had offices. Maybe it was in their home. Either way, Jesus goes into the places where these people live, where the scribes and Pharisees would never dare enter. They didn't see these people as lost. 
They saw them as people who needed to be thrown out. But when Jesus looked through the crowd, he didn't see people of no value. But in each of those faces, he saw an opportunity to rejoice. And listen to what happens in these parables. In verse 6, in the parable about the coins, he says, or about the sheep, excuse me, he says, when he comes home after finding the sheep, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. In the parable of the lost coin, in verse 9, it says, and when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and saying, rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I had lost. And the same thing again is true as we jump over here into the next passage about the man that has two sons. It says, the father looked to his servants and said, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this is my son was dead and is alive. He's lost and he's found. And they began to celebrate. In each of these instances, we see when the lost object or the lost person has come home, the person who finds it throws a party. And now that makes sense for the son. I guess for the sheep, that's probably a pretty big deal. I imagine the friends gathered at the woman's house when she found her coin were probably a little confused. I mean, listen, Cindy, we're glad you found your coin, but this party probably costs more than that one piece of silver. I, I think we could probably chill out. But there was the fact that something that was lost is now found. And in each of these parables, Jesus says when that person finally takes hold of that thing that was missing, no matter what the cause was for its missing, when that sheep or that coin or that person finally comes home, they throw a party. The lost was found, and it was time to celebrate. And just in case you can't, you're not putting two and two together yet, Jesus makes it very clear what these things mean. Because in verse 7, after the parable of the sheep, he says, just so. I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. That one had to sting a little bit with the scribes and Pharisees. As they look around and they're judging all the people in the crowd, Jesus says, listen, pay attention here. This one sheep that comes home, this one repentant sinner, there is more rejoicing in heaven over that one repentant sinner than 99 of you who think that you're doing everything right and have no reason to repent. And then again in verse 10, after the parable of the coin, Jesus says, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And this is an amazing thought. Because when we put these parables together with everything that we know, everything that we see about God in Scripture, it reveals something incredible about His nature. Because we know, we're taught in Scripture that God is the God who in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. The God who said, let there be light, and there was light. The God who keeps the universe spinning in motion. The God who appoints kings and brings them down to their knees. The God who is sovereign over absolutely everything. This God who is all-powerful and all-knowing and all-present. This is the same God who when one person falls away and then repents and comes home, that God rejoices. That God celebrates. Heaven itself shakes with the joy of God. And it says that all of heaven rejoices with Him. All because one lost child came home. 
I love the interaction between the father and the son when the youngest son comes home. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Just treat me as one of your hired servants. <laughs> and then in verse 22, the father doesn't even talk to the son. He says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate from this. My son was dead and is alive. He was lost and he's found. And they began to celebrate. The son says, Dad, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm not worthy to be your son. Just don't worry about me anymore. Just let me, let me be a servant out in the servant house eating the servant food. And the father just completely ignores all of that. He says, don't sh- sh- stop talking. Guys, we need to throw a party. Because my son who was lost is now found. And so bring me all the best that we have because this is my son and he's back home. And so if there is any takeaway from these parables, we need to learn to not fear coming home. If you're here and and you've never put your faith in Christ before, there can be a lot of weight in that. Because you may think, you know what? You don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the things that I say. You don't know the things that I thought. There is no way that God could possibly love me. And so I just imagine that if I tried to even talk with God, it would just be so wrecked with shame and that he wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. But Jesus says here, no, 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 no. Your God is welcoming you to come. Come to your God and trust in him because he loves you and he's waiting for you with a party. When you repent, when you trust in me, when you follow after me, God is not just going to say, what took you so long? But he's going to open the gates of heaven and welcome you into the kingdom of God. And everybody is going to party. All the angels are going to rejoice and we are going to celebrate because who was lost is now found and who is dead is now alive. If you trust in Christ, but it's just been one of those seasons where you feel like you've wandered too far. And that you know that God is a God of grace and mercy and that, that He loves you, but maybe this time you've made the wrong decision or you've allowed the circumstances to become too great or you've just, it's just been too long that maybe God doesn't want to hear from you again. Remember these parables and don't fear because God is welcoming you home. On the days when we feel lost or distant, on the days when we feel like we don't belong, on the days when we feel like God couldn't possibly love us, remember that when you trusted in Christ on that first day, when you repented and believed in Jesus, on that moment where you went from sinner to saint by the grace and mercy of God, at that time when you went from an enemy of God to a son or a daughter of God, it wasn't just a transition, it wasn't just an important moment for you, but it was an important moment for God and it was an important moment for all of heaven and God celebrated your entrance into the kingdom of God. He threw a party because of you. And if that's not enough to help you find value, then I don't know what to tell you. You meant enough to God that when you trusted in Him for salvation, it brought Him joy. So much joy that the way that Jesus could describe it to us in a way that we could understand is somebody who lost a coin that seemed so valueless in the grand scheme of things, but she was so excited that she brought all of her friends together to throw a party. 
He tells us about a man whose son, who was rebellious and awful and rude and ran away, when he comes crippled back, waiting for his father to send him away, the father takes all the best stuff that he has and he pours it on this son, even though he'd already given him more than he deserves. That's the kind of God that we have. That's the kind of love that he has for his children. And so no matter what our situation, our circumstances, or what we feel this morning, we can know that we have a God who loves us with that kind of love. A God who sent his only son into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. One of my favorite hymns. I love all the hymns. You know, I talk about it all. I just really love hymns. They're just so good and so comforting. One of my favorite songs out of the old hymnals is a song that teaches us about that kind of love. And it's one of the most comforting songs I don't know. So I'm going to sing it for you because I just love the way that it sounds. And so if you know it, feel free to sing along with me. It says, Softly and tenderly Jesus is calling and calling for you and for me. And see on the portals he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Now listen to the chorus. And come home, and come home, and you who are weary, come home. And softly and tenderly Jesus is calling calling, oh sinner, come home. And that's the call that we have this morning. That softly and tenderly Jesus is calling. That with kindness and compassion, he opens his arms to welcome back the broken and the needy, the runaways and the lost. And so no matter where you are this morning, know that that's the invitation that we have in Jesus. And in just a moment, we're going to come to this table and we're going to take a piece of bread and a cup that reminds us that God is inviting us into his presence through the death and resurrection of his son. And so as you come in just a moment, if you've trusted in Christ, as you come to this table, come knowing that you have been invited softly and tenderly, whether you're lost or running away, whether you're prideful or or hypocritical this morning, whatever camp we may find ourselves in, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling us to come back home. And so let's do that this morning.